are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Hey everyone, I hope you are okay. Welcome to Hope Church and I'm Chris and I'm so excited about the opportunity we have to meet together next week and celebrate bringing Stuart into eldership. Of course, you know, we're still in that situation where the landscape is just constantly changing and so we'll keep you up to date on guidance and inform you if, uh, you know, and if, if anything changes. For those that have heard previous weeks, I hope you're enjoying our series in the book of Galatians, which we've called Grace so far. You know, it was great to talk last week about how grace impacts conflict resolution. And this week's passage is about the different types of attitudes that people can have after becoming a Christian. Grace isn't just what's required to become a Christian, but what's freely given to us Um, to live as a Christian every day of our life and so I've called this morning's talk living in grace now if you're new to us this morning then don't don't worry you know each week we make sure that our talks are accessible in their own right but if you do want to go back and listen well you can do that on Spotify SoundCloud our website YouTube and and so on Um, yeah that's if you want to catch up So this morning, just let you know, give you a heads up, we do have a bit of a tricky passage, which on first reading can seem quite complicated. And so I've asked Leah if she can read it to us from the New Living Translation, which just helps to make it a bit more understandable. And then what I'll do is I'm gonna talk about the topic and that is gonna feel like I throw in a curveball as we go a bit around the houses, but don't worry, we will come back and, and circle back to the passage and apply it to us today. So I just wanna encourage you to sit back, relax, you know, maybe you wanna shut your eyes and, and just soak in these amazing words from Galatians, the end of chapter two and into chapter three. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. You foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. 
How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed the good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Thanks so much, Leah, for reading the the passage to us. And like I said, we will come back to the passage, but just before we do, let me just tell you a bit more about me. When I was at university, I graduated with a degree in sports and fitness management. And for the first few years, actually, I worked in a private health club. The place wasn't massive, but it was lush. It had amazing gym equipment and a nice pool, a steam room, a sauna, had a restaurant and sports massage therapy, the whole lot. In the gym, at any one time, you could have a maximum of about 100 people. But at any one point, we might have between three and a half to 5,000 members paying a monthly subscription on our books. And you would think, well, how does that work if you can only have 100? And the answer is because after people have signed up to the gym, after about month three, 50% of them have already stopped coming. And by month six, that raises to about 85%. So on any given week, only 10 to 15% of your kind of membership database come regularly. And so that spread over the week means that it's never gonna be many more than 80 people. So not too busy. I used to work in the corporate marketing side of of the business and so um, businesses would buy gym memberships for all their employees you know as a free gift I would go to them and do presentations about how if they bought all their employees a gym membership that would help to keep them healthy and so therefore there'll be less sick leave better productivity healthy staff and and so on and so whilst working there I observed two caricatures, types of people that would kind of come from these corporate memberships. The first type um, typically goes like this. We'll call that person A. Maybe we'll call him Alfred. Let's go with Alfred. This is the kind of small 10 to 15% of people. People like Alfred, they get given a gift of new gym membership. And at the beginning, it's all new and exciting. There's a 
great joy and freedom to explore new things, try out classes, swimming, the weights. And in the first six weeks or so, the results of their work come quick and fast because they burn off all the puppy fat. And so in a short space of time, they lose weight and they see the results on a weekly basis. They feel good about themselves and it's a joy to come along to the gym. This gift that Alfred was given is, you know, great. And when they're not there, Alfred's like thinking about it. You know, sometimes he's researching and reading about new fitness plans, looking at other areas like diet and gym wear and so on. Dig into resources and extra material to get the most out of the gym. But then after several months, these people might miss a week but then they feel really guilty. So they know the right thing to do is to go along to the gym. And so each week they, they knuckle down and um, sometimes they enjoy it, sometimes they don't, but it's their ritual. After several more months, they kind of become experts because they, they just diligently go every week. They've done all the different classes. They, they know the right technique. They look the part, but the thing is that they, what started as a, as a free gift now has kind of become their baby and they are the ex experts in it. And so when new people come along, it's easy for them to judge and, and scoff. And, oh, God, look at that technique, shocking. Or they, they get all involved and they're like, hey, look at me, follow me. I know what to do, follow my plan. And you know, this poor new person who's only just joined can't keep up because they just don't have the fitness yet. And so it's easy for the elite person, Alfred, you know, to be like, you just need to be like me, a little bit more dedicated, eat the right stuff and so on, and then you'll be all right. Person A's thinking is that he's there because he deserves to be. After all, he's put in all the hard graft, years of work, and it's his rightful place. They give advice, this is how to do it. You, you now need to do this, do that, but the fact is that it took them ages to find their pace and their rhythm, and that is just a far off distant memory. They're super serious. Joy has kind of been sucked out of everything they do. They stick to a strict plan, and they encourage others to do the same. That's person A, that's Alfred. Then you've got the other person, person B. Um, let's call him Bertie. So this is like the larger group, the 85% of new joiners. Much like the first group, you know, they are given this free gift. They love it, it's, it's a joy. You know, they check out the swim pool, oh, the sauna. They love the sauna. And uh, it's just a wonderful gift. Bertie especially loves the steam room and then visiting the cafe afterwards. They too are happy to check out and think about and read up on all the new kit, the nutrition and the equipment that they might need. And they too also start to see results and all the puppy fat is kind of burning off, the weight is coming down. But then they head into months two and three. Everything is a little less exciting. They're familiar with the whole place and so things don't seem that new. Rather than looking forward to the gym, they start to go out of duty and maybe out of guilt because you know their boss is paying for the monthly subscription. This free gift has suddenly become a burden. The weight loss starts to slow down because now they're starting to hit that real stubborn fat, you know, the bits that have been there for years and are really hard to work off. And to be honest, it's hard work. They start to do the kind of bare minimum in order to just about get by and, and justify the gift that they've been given and try to keep the weight down. 
when sadly though they get to months four to six the weeks have gone by and they just haven't been they know they should go but they start to make excuses like well you know it doesn't really work for me i i actually put on weight and uh you know i don't really have the time for this anymore every now and then they might see an advert on tv and hear someone talking about it and they might go out of guilt they might even have fresh resolve for for a moment but that just lasts a week or so and they're basically they stop going to be honest they're disillusioned all the joy has been stripped the gift doesn't seem that great anymore these attitudes which I observed in the gym actually far too easily can come into place in any group of people in the workplace in sports clubs and certainly in the church that's what this passage helps us to understand you see in the church as in you know the wider church you'll be able to find people like a and b so let's think about b to start off with just like i alfred he's probably the minority uh, in churches in the uk but in galatia this group this kind of person played a significant part and when these christians they hear the gospel it's great news at first they love it they love god they dig into his word they read books around the subject they've probably got an esv study bible and certainly wayne grudem's commentary they love god they love his church and, and it's an amazing gift all is great at first they even see results all the puppy fat sins start to be worked out perhaps they stop swearing and and quite quickly other sins get dealt with too and it feels good after a while though without them really realizing it church and reading the bible trusting god has sort of started to become routine and they know it's the right thing to do and so they make a plan and they diligently stick to it after several years the free gift of grace the life to the full the excitement of hearing god speak can start to wane you know when people give prophetic words they can start to become a bit cynical in the preaching rather than thinking god what are you saying to me they're thinking oh i do hope that so and so is listening to this and not falling asleep all the things they started to do because they felt led to it like reading the bible and praying is now done out of duty and when new people come along they say right this is what you need to do set your alarm for 6am read your bible you, you need to pray you need to give you need to serve you need to volunteer you need to stop sinning you need to start doing that and stop doing this and oh welcome to your newfound freedom in christ they can be super serious joy has been stripped they follow the rules and expect everyone else to do the same the idea of doing these things as showing gratitude for all that god has done is long lost memory and now they do them because that's just the right thing to do in order to please god so that's how that attitude from alfred can work out person a can work out in the church what about Bertie, person B? This is probably the greater number, just like in the gym, probably more people are going to be like Bertie. And Bertie, when on an alpha course, perhaps, you know, he found out about grace, God's free gift, his blessing and favor, favor given through Jesus. You know, Bertie loves the church and he, he gets the commentary. Maybe he's even got Grudem's, though it's probably sitting on the shelf unread. 
but nonetheless he's excited like Alfred by God and his church. Similarly he can see a change in his lifestyle too. Living for Jesus is great and it feels good. Sins are being dealt with, life is changing and it's great to join a, a new family and group of people. They might even join a life group and you know it's okay but more than anything they're just grateful to explore more about Jesus and his wonderful gifts. After a while God starts talking to them about the tough sins, you know those stubborn sins that are hard to get through and the seasons when it's going great are, are good but then the seasons of setback and they start to feel rubbish because they just feel like I just can't kick that habit or that sin. You know whenever a preacher is speaking it always seems to be that same sin that comes to Bertie's mind and that cycle of guilt and shame just keep kicking in and going round. Long gone is the sense of forgiveness and freedom that they feel um, and they should instead they just feel that they should know better. Maybe even they feel that they don't deserve God's love anymore. It becomes easy then to miss a group or to miss a Sunday because you know they just they don't want to feel that way anymore and it becomes easier to spot issues with the songs or the sound or or that the people that are annoying like that guy Alfred. It's easy for person B to start to chop off the radar because joy is stripped and even start to think well I'm saved by grace anyway I'm sure my place is secure in heaven so does it really matter about sin? They're just a bit disillusioned. You know neither of these people are what Jesus intended when he says he came to give life to the full and so to follow me. Yet sadly, both can be variations of what many Christians experience and what the church can portray that living like a Christian is all about. Following the rules, being diligent, judging others, or going to church on a Sunday, but the rest of the week just forgetting about God and living like he doesn't exist. Whilst these two are caricatures, I'm sure you might have been able to spot elements of yourself perhaps in, in either. You know, where it's easy for us to veer into rules and rituals and legalism or veer towards perhaps apathy, disillusionment and license to sin. So the passage, you know, let's let's get to the Bible. It's good for us to do that. The passage that Leah read out to us is Paul writing to speak predominantly to person A because that was the issue at the time for the Galatians. You know, the Corinthians and the Romans were much more like person B and so Paul talks about that more in, in those letters and, and we'll touch on, on what, he's, what he says to person B in a moment but let's start with person A. You know, they were all about the rules and making others do the same, forgetting that living in grace doesn't start in grace and end in works, but it's all a work of God's grace. It starts with grace and ends with grace, and that's how we live life. And so Paul writes in verse 16, we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And that's the Jewish law, not just any laws. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will, be, will ever be made right 
with God by obeying the law. So he's saying, stop acting like your rule keeping is the thing that gives you access to God. Stop putting those demands on others as well, because it's by faith alone. And in verse 17, it says, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we were found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us to sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old Jewish sacrificial system because that's the thing that condemns me, because no one could fulfill it. In verse 19, he says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements, because, you know, no one can, so that I might live for God. You know, when we lay down the rule-keeping, we're, we're actually able to be free to trust and live for God and obey because we get to, not because we have to. And so verse 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. This is what it means to live in grace. It's day by day with God. What shall I do next? Holy Spirit, guide me, lead me. This Christ who, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, well then there was no need for Christ to die. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if he saw a picture of his death on the cross. So it's amazing verses. And, you know, Paul is kind of saying those who depend on the law are under God's curse. And that is because no one could be made right with, uh, with God by the laws. No one did it. Not Abraham, not Moses, not David. No one has ever kept all the laws of God apart from Jesus. And so he is surprised that they are thinking this way because he so vividly shared with them that, um, about Jesus that although they didn't actually ever meet Jesus, it was like he drew a picture of him. He drew it so clearly that they would know the gospel and, and now they've run away from it. And so it's just foolish. It's like, come on, guys, I was so clear with you. You know, you can imagine these people saying, well, how should we live then? And so Paul says, it's by the Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to be perfect by human effort? You know, he's really nailing this issue for, for Alfred and, and people like Alfred that can veer that way. Because it's so easy to become proud of our Bible reading, our offering giving and our prayer life. And, and they're good things, but our attitude towards them always has to be as things to, we, that we get to do because of God's grace and not things we have to do in order to please God. Because these people pride themselves so much on knowing the Bible, Paul then does a little bit of a tour of the Bible and he's like, hey, hey guys, you've read the Bible, right? Well, have you ever read, you know, I don't know, the first book of the Bible? You know, have you read Genesis? Have you ever read about a guy called Abraham? You know, the father of the faith? Well, even he received his righteousness by faith and not by following the law. And so verse six, he says, and Paul, Paul says that God proclaimed the gospel 
to Abraham with this promise. And, and in verse 8, he says, I will bless all nations through you. You know, it's remarkable that Paul kind of describes this as the gospel. Uh, you know, even though Abraham was thousands of years before Jesus, Paul's describing that the gospel, which is the message of Jesus, actually came to Abraham and Abraham believed it by faith. He received God's righteousness as a gift of faith, not because of how he acted or what he did. You know, that same gospel is the gospel that is proclaimed to us today. And so then Paul kind of, he references Moses just a little bit earlier. And I think he references that because he's like, hey, remember the first book about Abraham? Well, let me tell you about the second book about Moses because Moses was very much revered because he was the one that brought the law. And so he talks about Moses and he's reminding them that the law came as a result of the freedom that they found in God and not as a requirement for it. You know, God's people were taken out of Egypt by God's grace. They were spared punishment through the Passover. That's the sacrifice of a spotless lamb. They passed through the waters as a miracle from God. Then as a result of all of that freedom and grace, God then gave them the law to show them how to live in this newfound freedom. But over time, just like our gym friends, just like Alfred, the free gift was forgotten. And now these Galatians were living like keeping the Jewish laws was what gave them the freedom in the first place. And so in verse 9 of chapter 3, um, it says, So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing as Abraham through faith. Righteousness comes by faith. Paul is reminding us that just as the Christian life all starts with grace, so actually did it start that way all the way back to Abraham and Moses. It all started by grace and therefore we must now live in grace. That means making sure we don't ever veer into legalism, ritual and rules. And when that happens, you know, we are just slaves to a dead religion. And, and then we just we kind of teach others that being a follower of Christ is really just about sin management and washing the outside of the cup. It's, it's outside in instead of inside out. And so it's, it's, it's you know, really helpful how Paul really nails that. But Paul also speaks to person B, to the people that find following Jesus just, tough obeying the following jesus might feel like obeying the rules or a chore and so they can give up and they can give in to sin you know god i believe wants to remind you again that it is through faith that you receive your righteousness in christ and so in verse 11 he says through that same faith you receive the holy spirit who leads you to God, who guides you. He's calling you again to listen to his voice and not drown it out. Maybe you've been thinking things like, oh, I'm not holy enough, or God doesn't bless me because I don't pray enough and I'm not worthy, or I shouldn't ask for that because I just don't deserve it. Paul nails that thinking for person being. He nails it in chapter three, verse two, and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. You received God on the inside, not by doing all this stuff, but by faith. 
Living by the Spirit, living by faith, never comes or came by works and deeds, but by faith in Jesus. Just as you received his grace for salvation, you can know his grace for living. And so chapter 2 verse 20 says, It is not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. So, you know, what does that mean? A good question you might ask is, what does that mean about sin? You know, so what does living in grace mean that I can just keep sinning? Because, well, I'm saved by grace anyway, it doesn't matter. You know, do I have license to kind of just do what I want? After all, I don't want to be like person A and, and it all be about rules and rituals. But what does that mean? Well, living in grace does not mean living in sin, but living in the spirit, living by the spirit. The spirit, it leads us to Jesus and it veers us away from sin. It leads us to holiness and it leads us to the fruits of the spirit, which uh, will come up in a few weeks time. Whilst the people in Galatia were more likely to veer towards being like Alfred, the people in Corinth and and Rome were more likely to, to be like Bertie. And I mean, when we went through the the book of Corinthians a couple of years ago, the people there were saying, hey, I'm saved by grace so I can do what I like. And and so they were sleeping with the temple prostitutes. And, um, you know, it was similar in Rome. So a good question is, well, if I'm saved by grace, shall I go on sinning? And Paul nails this for the Romans. And in Romans chapter six, he says this, do not let sin control the way you live. You know, do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, You live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realise that you became the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we gave to you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. You know, living in grace, like I said, it doesn't mean living in sin, but living by the Spirit. The Jewish Christians over time, they forgot what it meant to be a people that are not just saved by grace, but also live by grace. It's so easy for us to forget we're not just the people saved by grace, but we're also called to live by grace. That's what it means to live in the Spirit. No longer it's I who live, but Christ who lives in me, you know, the passage says. And so a good question to ask is, who are you more likely to veer towards? Are you more likely to veer towards Alfred or Bertie? Or are you more likely to veer towards... Um, you know, someone like person A who's forgotten that their deeds are an expression of their gratitude for all that God has done and not their means of acceptance. You know, do you need to repent perhaps where you've got a bit proud of your achievements in God? Or, you know, is there people that you've been subconsciously making into your own image instead of pointing them towards 
uh, being made in God's image? Has your faith become a tick box exercise? Or perhaps are you more likely to veer towards person B? You know, do you continue to feel guilt and shame for the things that you don't do or, or do do? You know, perhaps today God is calling you back to himself. He wants to remind you that those things were never a means for receiving his love and acceptance. He loves you just the same. And today you can receive his spirit as a gift. You can even choose to listen and obey, not because you have to, but because you get to. You know, living in grace is remembering that becoming a Christian was all a work of God's undeserved favour and blessing to you. Living in grace is also remembering that every day God pours out his undeserved, unmerited favour on you so that you can live for him. You can trust him and enjoy him. And maybe God is just calling us all back to the basics. Basics. Now, just taking one day at a time, maybe prayers like this. Today, Lord, I'm choosing to trust you. Fill me of your spirit and just guide my steps. Understanding what it means to be a people living in grace makes all the difference in the world. So come on, church. Let's be a church full of grace, living in grace. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to... Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that it helps us just to understand the different attitudes that it's so easy to have towards your your grace. And Lord, we, we don't want to be people who just veer into kind of dead religious ritual and routine. But equally, Lord God, we don't want to be people that take your you know your grace in vain and, and see it as meaningless. Actually, no, Lord, we want to live the life that you've called us to life to the full full of joy excitement and uh, and full of your spirit and and i pray lord god would you help us to trust you to listen to your spirit as he speaks to us each day and to to follow your guidance help us not to quieten that voice of your spirit in our hearts but to to dig into it to seek what you are teaching us to do and then to take the steps to obey you Lord, I thank you that everything you have given us is a work of your undeserved, unmerited, free gift in Jesus who came and paid the price for our sin, who covers our shame and gives us honour and lifts us up and you know, in our weakness makes us strong and able to face the day. And, and, I, and I just thank you so much that we are made righteous by God through that gift free gift of your son that we can now know God and be connected with God and walk with him daily and so I just pray that you would help us as a people to show that same love and kindness to all those that we meet that we would know that in our lives and in ourselves and that we would instead of pointing people to the kind of rules we instead we point them to a wonderful faith and life in you thank you Lord God that we can live in grace every day. In your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.